Blog Talk Radio. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Thank you for joining us today. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. one to get on the line. Thank you for wherever you are listening, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or anywhere else. We thank you for uh, being here with us got a lot to get to it's a special edition of the uh, a dr martin luther king jr edition of the bachelor news radio show on the bachelor news radio network wcom in uh, carborough and chapel hill north carolina we're going to bring him a guest uh he is from voice of mankind he is afneet singh and afneet i appreciate you coming on sir Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Um, And a happy Dr. King Day to you. Wanted to bring you on. um, You know, you've seen in this country, we'll get to to your country in a second, but uh, we've seen in this country, and you and I have talked about this over the times you've been on, the civil unrest, the oppression of black and brown people, people who look like you and I, Um, and all of which has come to a boiling point now where we see this boiling point with people who feel like white folks, right? That feel like they're taking their country back the same constitution that they like to throw in your face, even though, you know, blacks were three fifths of a person, that same constitution, they like to throw in your face. They turn around and desecrate at the Capitol. What do you make of of this? We know uh, the, the the fake number forty five who incites a lot of stuff, but really he's just a birth of of what's been kind of under the surface. But what do you make of this in terms of this rioting and in, in terms of of the way that they have shown a disdain and disrespect for the 
the the the, the very constitution that they try to stick their chest out and and talk about all the time. Yeah, I think it's uh, one word to describe their actions on um, the 6th of January would be, you know, the one word I think that you can use is is foolish. Um, I mean, I don't know what exactly were they trying to achieve. I mean, you know, we want to take, you know, they said they want to take the country back. Like, do you think that is that how you're going to take it back? So I think just the foolish actions of gullible people uh, driven on by Mr. 45, as you said. Uh, so, yeah, just foolish, uh, foolish actions that there's no way. Um, I mean, I would really love to know like, how they why they imagine that they could take the country back or achieve anything at all by doing it. Uh, I think the only possible consequence of this is is, is retaliation and, uh, you know, uh, um, consequences of that would be just would be just being pursued by law enforcement. So I think just just foolish actions led by or foolish actions of gullible people led by uh, a narcissist president. And I, I, I don't it's, it's unprecedented. When you've seen what happened there, and they're talking about, you know, it was one report of, of uh, a woman taking some uh, papers that um, were belonging to Nancy Pelosi, at least from her, her files, wanting to sell it to Russia. Again, these are the same people, right, that said that uh, 45 was fighting against Russia. He's the, he's the president against Russia, and and, you know, there's no... Russian hoax and all these different things, yet they want to get in bed with Russia, but they want to take their, their country back. This is the height of hypocrisy when you look at that. Talk about really the dangers of where this is now, because I think you and I had talked about this before, a win or lose with this guy. One side is going to take it to the streets, and, and he lost, and you see what's happening right now. I agree. I think we're well prepared. I I I hope and I I I don't foresee anything major, but I I, I just don't want to be wrong about it. I I just hope we have a peaceful transition and a peaceful inauguration. Yeah, and then nothing happens. Uh, we're talking with Athnit Singh from uh, Voice of Mankind here on the Bastard News Radio Show, and the Bastard News Radio Network on WCOM in Chapel Hill, and in Carborough. Uh, Apni, talk about your cousin, your your country, and not just in the midst of what we're seeing here, this 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 plot to take over the country, um, but the oppression that takes place in your country. Tell people where you're from in your country and how this is not only hurting people again um, that are marginalized in your country, but also the economy based on that, and then also if you can really address um, how this ripple effect uh, is that we've seen here has been going on in particular in, in Europe. Sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, so uh, I am what you can consider as an environmental and political refugee, which really means is that because of destruction and of environment and uh 
and political instability. It's, 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 you know, it creates refugees and they end up all over the world. And there's quite a significant one uh, population of us in the Central Valley in California on the West Coast. Um, so as you know, uh, it's, it's in the news, we have one of the largest, if not the largest protest in history. And that's almost exclusively led by minorities that's going on in North India, where I'm from. And this is mostly driven by three farm laws that were imposed on people without any consultation, without any warn warning, without going through the due process that laws goes go through. And so just rush through because of COVID. Uh, and what those laws will do is that they will turn um, self-employed, um, reasonably profitable farmers, reasonably well-off farmers into corporate uh, employees. So it's basically a corporate land grab of the highest order. Uh, and and, as, and as, I, as, you, as you can imagine, it's going to turn farmers against the government. I mean, the, you know, the crucial thing would be, you know, I think one thing we'll, we'll talk more uh, to today is how, how it affects everyone here in, 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 in America and why it's, uh, and, and I think there's this minority connection as well, because most of the farmers whose lands are going to be taken away are minorities. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, the, the largest protest in history going on right now, people don't understand that they think the Americans are doing this, but in North, North India, and you, you mentioned the significance of Dr. King in his day today that, uh, and we played an excerpt to start the show, but you know, and he quote, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So it's not just a moral stance, but a, uh, a practical one. Uh, I mean, Talk about how we should be interested um, and take notice of these large protests, not just uh, historically here, but in places like where you're from in, in, in North I India. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's, you know, it's important to talk about this on Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, King Day uh, because Injustice everywhere turns is, is a threat to us. It's a threat to our lifestyle. And, and um, it is because, you know, brutal suppression of minorities, you know, in, in going on anywhere in the world, uh, what it leads, you know, the, the, the techniques and the tools um, that oppressive regimes do develop to suppress minorities very quickly get exported. I mean, two very good examples of this was during the George Floyd Black Lives Matter protest. Um, you know, they used helicopters to buzz protesters. Um, you know, they, 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 that, that, that was something that was developed in Afghanistan, right? Uh, so it's, um, you know, and, and another good, good example of this is... Um, is, is, is that in the next few days and the next few weeks, we're going to see increasing uh, monitoring of free speech on, on social media uh, and, 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 and new practices and laws will be developed as they're already being developed in, in other countries. And what they will do is, as, as we increasingly see, that the laws get selectively applied. So in, in in the near future, I mean, when the minorities and com complain or protest about about injustice, 
the same laws that are being developed by oppressive regime, regimes elsewhere in the world will be applied on us. So it's, it's, it's very important for us to, to you know, bring the right optics to ensure that, that people know that we are watching and we are monitoring and we do not let injustice and suppression and, and techniques for injustice and suppression coming into our lands. And think about this too, Afni. If if this was remembered, the summer of last year when Black Lives Matter had the the protests, peaceful, by the way, protests. They didn't go and break down things and try to st- take back their country. Peaceful protests. There were law enforcement. I thought it was an army. I thought it was a war on terror type of thing going on. They were ready to bang heads. These uh uh white supremacists and, and, and those who are white privileged or feel that, that they want to take back their country, did this thing not because they feel like they can, uh, it's their country per se for me, Ethne, but they did it because they felt they don't have any repercussions. There, there's no accountability. They left. They walked out of the, the Capitol. They tore it up and literally walked home. I mean, walked to their cars, their hotels, went back to California. They're neighbors of yours, folks listening. They're your neighbor. They just went home, ethnic. And if there was anybody that looked like us, and you can make that case in Afghanistan and in India and all these other different places where those who are oppressed, um, the hypocrisy in that autocratic way, and it seems like we're going that way, um, is, is evident. It, if you are dark, if you are poor, if you are black or brown in this country, if you are not one of the power structures of this country um then you know you're you're not you're not relevant and i thought it's is is very evident um that what happened in the summer with black lives matter and their protests and what these clansmen did at the capitol is totally different i agree completely i think it's just down to what as we did as we talked it's down to selective enforcement we'll see uh, selective enforcement of laws it's like you know there's diff- one set of laws for one people and a different set of laws for the other and laws just come down heavily you know laws that are designed to prevent insurrections or designed to protect public property or designed to ensure law and order in airports or on a flight, they're just selectively enforced. So even well-meaning laws, uh, I mean, a good example of this is that, you know, several airlines have said that they will not tolerate any unruly behavior on planes. Now, it's, it's again, it's going to be selectively implied, applied because what's unruly uh, for us, I mean, you know, for, you know, as I said, minorities just asking for their rights could be unruly behavior, whereas for somebody else, it's, you know, they have a free hand and they can do whatever they want. So I think in the next few weeks and months, uh, as new laws get up, you know, um, get drafted to monitor social media, to prevent insurrections, to, to um, you know, to, to, um, to uh, prevent unruly passengers on planes, you know, a whole suite of laws is going to come in. We just have to make sure that, you know, we are aware of this, that they, they don't end up being selectively applied and hurt us. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Afneet uh, Singh from uh, Voice of Mankind. Uh, he'll give his information um, but before we end this uh, interview uh, here on the Bassett News Radio show. 
and the Bassett News Radio Network and our sister station, WCOM in Chapel Hill in North Carolina. So I've often said, Ebony, that the media, it's, it's, people want to say that the media is liberal. I think the media is like it should be or like you expect them to be, opportunists, but they will side with um, certain aspects of, of, of the, the country and, and, and sort of, of the political climate. I mean, I've said this on uh, shows when January 6th happened, Afni, that there's a lot of people that have blood on their hands from, from this guy who incited it. Those who enabled him, Democrats, Republicans, uh, black folks, white folks, all kinds of people who enabled him. Oh, you know, I listen, I'm from Connecticut. I knew about this guy growing up. It was always Donald Trump, the racist, Donald Trump, um, only Jews can count my money. Donald Trump, uh, let's execute the Central Park Five. That Donald Trump, we already knew up there. Like, so the country is like, welcome to the party. We already knew. The point is, is that um, the, the media, oh, he's, he's funny. And what did Donald Trump say? And this and that, and they're posting all this stuff. Mark Zuckerberg and, and all these other people—they got blood on their hands. They—they they are enablers to this. So, how do we turn around and hold them accountable moving forward? If suppression is coming through um, corporate mainstream media, who and, and and sort of incites this by, you know, allowing the Proud Boys and some of these uh these oppression autocratic. Uh, regimes doing this, how do we fight back against the media to stop this uh, oppression? Yeah, that's that's uh, the question of the century. I think it's a trillion dollar question. How do we ensure free speech um, for all uh, but not, you know, not not for, not the right to incite violence, and and and, and I don't think uh, Facebook or other media will will have the the um, intellect or even the intention or even the you know the the motivation to do it. So we'll just see you know badly drafted laws that are selectively applied. Um, and 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 interesting connection would be that they would be they would be tested in third world regimes and oppressive regimes where you can very quickly hide the results. They would be, uh, they tried out there and then they will come back to us, um, you know, uh, to, 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 to haunt us. I mean, a good, good example of this is, as, as you just mentioned last summer with the Black Lives Matter protest, you know, you had, you had militarized uh, police forces, you had helicopters, you had these, uh, you know, these uh, armed personal carriers. I mean, they have no place on our street. They, you know, the first time we saw them was in the Middle East and Afghanistan, and now they're in our backyards, in our, in our next to our houses. So I think it's a lot of these, um, you know, uh, you know, the worries that, you know, it's. I, I, I don't have the answer to it, but I, I think it's just, you know, at this moment I'm just raising red flags that, you know, that. It's it's we have to be very very careful with the fallout from the January 6th event that we don't lock down on free speech and 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 create more problems for us as minorities. Let me ask you this because America likes to stick its chest out and you know uh, we are the uh, the game the the, the blueprint uh, for democracy. You know we're you know Americans we. We lead the way for democracy. You know, again, that whole we're American and you're not type of thing. 
So even if that's the case, if if this incident, if this rioting happened on January 6th, is that going to lead to more white supremacists, those who are hate groups, um, to increase? Or was it already leading to that, and now it's just really coming to the surface uh country we knew it was there i know it was there i mean i'm still driving while black so i know it's there but now it's at the surface here so was it already there in europe and other countries um and other continents or um are do you think it's going to increase based on what happened here on january 6th i think it's it's always been there and will stay that way uh but what the the previous or you know what mr 45 enabled it you know he actually allowed people to express he ex- uh, express emotions that um you know people should really know how to control i mean a, a good example of this was something that my president uh, obama said you know he says we know there's lots of dark dark places in our hearts and there's lots of um things that are not right but you know if if we if we work together and we progress we can probably tide over it uh, but what 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 the current president did is is he he encouraged allowed um people to bring bring that out so i think it's as you you're correct it's always been there it will probably stay it will probably go underground into what they call the dark corners of the internet but it it will still be it'll still be there Dr. King, uh, I'm paraphrasing, you know, said that rioting is the, the, the voice of the unheard. Um, so how do you – are people taking that the wrong way out of context? Because, you know, you've seen rioting. People are angry, right? Now, I know – People that look like me may riot, but we're not trying to burn down the cap, you know, the capital of a, of the country, um, and and democracy, and 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 you know, really disrespect and desecrate the constitution, constitution that they love to talk about. So, how do you convince people to peacefully protest? Because it is a difference between peacefully protesting and just tearing stuff up. And trying to kill people, going to want to hang the vice president of the United States. I'm laughing because it's so ridiculous, um, or kill uh, the speaker of the house. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's it's uh, it's more. I think more effective than protest is is really you know grassroots action, grassroots mobilization, which is I think one of the ways. President uh, Biden got 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 elected is that you know it's is working at the grassroots level, working with individuals, going door to door, the hard work, which is what President Obama did for his presidency. It's just going house to house, knocking on doors, attending events, and getting your points across. Because uh, I think that's a sustained grassroots action is 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 more uh effective however i do agree with you that that writing is the is is the voice of the unheard and it really it really means there's been a failure of governance you know it's and and, and you see a lot more of it when you have incompetent narcissistic autocratic rulers like mr 45 uh, you know, we had the 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 riots or riots or protests last summer. We had the events of January 8th because you know just have 
narcissistic, incompetent rulers. And then the same is going on in North India, where I think there was an article um, day before yesterday that they, the, 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 the economists called it as, you know, they use the words mismanagement, failure, high-handedness to describe the policies of, of, the, of the government in India. But it's, I think it's very hypocritical of this country to be critical, if you will, uh, of uh, what's going on in North it, it, India and India as a, a whole. Uh, uh, certainly, you know, the people are, are being killed, fighting for freedom. Um, but you'll get you'll get politicians here um, that will test a lie, I call it, um, and 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 are deemed and and, and deep filled in hypocrisy about how great democracy is here. And then you have this. So if you're, if, if Dr. King was here and you know, he stood for justice. You remember he people, people understand he wasn't assassinated solely because he wanted equal rights for black and Brown people. And, but you know, he stood up against the war that was seen deemed radical uh, and they took his life. So at this point, um, it, it almost seems kind of hypocritical, like people want to do kumbaya today, and then tomorrow they hating each other all over, all over again. Everybody's got a quote from Dr. King. I have a dream. Everybody, he was so much more than that. So if he's alive today, how do you think he looks at how um, we can get to the freedom uh, and the the fight for injustices? For all people, and not just in this country, but again abroad. I mean, he was the Gandhi of of the United States. Absolutely, I've, I think I've written articles about him where I said he was the greatest American ever. And the reason I say that, you know, yes, we have had great generals here in America and and in other places in the world. We have had great scientists. We have had great presidents. And 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 the the pace of economic, social, tech, uh, sorry, economic and political and um, you know technical progress will continue. Will go to the moon. But what Dr. King symbolizes is what I call social justice. And unless we have social justice for all, all the great developments mean nothing. So I think it's I called him the you know I've written frequently. I call him the greatest American ever. And 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 this is not something that we could. You know, we will achieve in a lifetime. You know, it it will take um, several years, decades. I hope not several lifetimes, but it's it's a it's a goal that we can all work towards, and that goal is social justice. And I think it's a lot bigger than um, than going to the moon or setting up colonies on Mars or building you know spaceships or high speed rail. Because all of that is irrelevant unless you have social justice for all. You said it. I couldn't have said it better. Before you go, let people know how they can follow your writings and follow you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I have a website, Voice of Mankind, with obvious link to Twitter and Facebook. Uh, so it's voiceofmankind.org. And if I could be bold and ask uh, your your listeners through this through this uh, platform. Uh, that you know, read about the the, the farm, the, the largest protest in history. That's almost exclusively led by my minorities. What's going on there? The, the refugees is gonna create the techniques for suppression that are being tested, 
and all of those refugees and, and the techniques of uh, suppressing the minorities will come to our shows very quickly. So if you can read up about it, learn about it, reach out to other people, talk about it and, and, and contact your representative, uh, representative, you know, your political representatives and, and talk to them and say, hey, this is something of concern to me because I don't want another 100,000 refugees to be created, some of which end up next to us. I don't want uh, techniques to be developed for suppressing minorities and perfected in lands where there is no, you know, there's no free media and, and that those techniques can come back to to, to and end up being used the next time we have pro to, to we have to protest against injustice. So I think it's very relevant. And if people can um, get involved with this, I think that would be a very good way to honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. Amen to that. I, I totally agree. Afni Singh, I appreciate you, sir. I'll be in touch. Uh, you be well. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Absolutely. It's the Bassett News Radio Show on the Bassett News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill, Carborough.
Welcome back to the show. We thank you for joining us. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the broadcast, you can go to our website, check the rebroadcast out at thebachelornewsradionetwork.com. T-H-E, Bachelor with a T, thebachelornewsradionetwork.com. Go to my guest. He is an adjunct professor of legislative politics, specifically religion and politics at George Washington University Graduate School. Also a reverend, uh, of course, uh, back on the show, we appreciate him. He is Professor Quadrico Bernard Driscoll. And, Professor, I appreciate you coming on. As always, I hope all is well with you, sir. Happy MLK Day to you, LL, and to your listeners. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so you wrote a, a very good piece on um, Reverend Warnock's uh his victory, but of course the the uh, ordeals and the the things that he's gone through since he won um, the runoff as a, a senator in Georgia. People don't know Reverend Warnock, of course, the uh, Democrat in Georgia who won. He beat his Republican uh, rival, and now he's one of two uh, Democratic senators. Um, which thank you to them, uh, help the Democrats. If you're a Democrat. Um, that basically have the uh, majority in the Senate because obviously President, uh, Vice President-elect Harris will be the tiebreaker, so it is goes into favor of the Democrats. But your, your article was uh, what the attacks on Raphael Warnock's faith reveal about Christian nationalism. And I thought it was spot on. Uh, this is a man who took over Ebenezer Baptist Church, famed of the, 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 the Church of Reverend Dr. King on Dr. King Day, um, been very consistent in terms of his social injustice platform from a Christian perspective, right? But, you know, the, the, the scripture tells us to speak out about injustices, right? That's part of it. And he did that in a Christian way. But two things about your article that was re- really well written. You talk about how Republicans um, – have have this sense of or, or this entitlement of the moral authority, but filled with hypocrisy. Because if they have the moral authority, these are the same Republicans that criticized his opponent, criticized him as you know being tied to Reverend uh, Jeremiah Wright, of course, who of course uh, people were critical of former President Obama in that regard as his pastor and that that type of thing. But also, these are the same white Christians, let's call, keep it real, um, that support number 45. So you can support right. a guy who says only Jews can count my money, who I, I can shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and get away. I can grab a woman by the private parts. Um, I can, uh, you know, the, the Central Park Five need to get, you know, executed. This is the same guy that you supported in the name of God, I guess. I don't know what God it is, but talk about that, how it's, it's so hypocritical of them trying to have this moral authority. And I guess they left the morals at the door. Meanwhile, this man is standing for truth and justice and doing it the right way. Well, uh, L.A., I think you have summarized the article pretty well. Um, so, I, you know, essentially, I reflect on the election of uh, Georgia Senator-elect Raphael Warnock. Right. And the, the capital insurrection that took place January 6th and the deep divisions within the American Christian community and the those events of what it has exposed. 
under the umbrella of Christian nationalism, which is the heart of what, what you are referring to and talking about. So the hypocrisy that you are mentioning with regard to the Republicans uh, have always, quite frankly, been there. It, it started with those who were uh, slave owners and slave masters, but yet Christians, right, which we knew was a hypocrisy. We knew, of course, that um, that's a direct opposition to what it means to be a Christian. But more formally, uh, the Republican Party claimed to be the party of the faithful through the identification of the religious right, which started with the moral majority. Names like Jerry Falwell and Pat Robinson, and which started in the late 60s, right? So you had Vietnam, you have the civil rights movement, you have the sexual revolution. That's taking place in the background. But yet there are these uh, Midwestern, Southern, typically middle-class folk who are starting this moral maturity, um, and we know, again, we, I called some of those names. And so their belief was that this country needed to shift its values, and they packaged such those values in non-religious terms and started to focus more on the social issues, and thus they gained power. Those are the same people um, that were a part and of the Tea Party. Uh, that we saw, of course, at the end of Bush's term going into Obama's term, and it's the same people that we saw January 6th uh, during the Capitol insurrection. They haven't gone anywhere. It's just a manifestation, and I, and I chose to, to focus on the nuances with regard to white fragility, white immunity, white supremacy, whatever we want to call it. Um, the election, of course, of Warnock being the first African-American senator from the state of Georgia, from the South particularly, and this encasing this, of course, in this idea that to be a true American and to be a true Christian means that one has to be white and typically male and, and Christian and that the rest of us should just be grateful for having lived in this country. But then what does that mean? Mm. When we live in a country that, per the Constitution, right, that allows freedom of religion, and where Christianity specifically is used as sort of a civil religion, right? We know, and what I mean by civil religion, it is this term that a sociologist came up with where we use these semi-religious tools and symbols as a way, particularly with the Abrahamic faith traditions, as a way of healing the country through difficult times. You know, every president has, has done that. But, of course, we see 45 using Christianity as a weapon and to empower his supporters, right? Uh, and so th I, I, I choose or chose to talk about all of that, and this is, again, under the umbrella of Christian nationalism, which is dangerous. And, of course, the Republican Party has unfortunately, uh, again, starting from a more organized political perspective from the late 1960s up until now, using it as a weapon. And this is also precisely why we saw 45 Trump remove peaceful protesters from Lafayette Square in June of last mm. year to hold up a Bible, right? So unlike other presidents who have used 
these Christian symbols as means to bring the country together, regardless of whatever faith tradition most Americans are, Trump used it to endorse Christian nationalism, which again is this uh, very oppressive way of weeding out other people who are not white and Christian. You know, uh, Professor, when you you it's funny you used to say that. And oh, by the way, he was at Lafayette Square um, with the Bible upside down. I mean, this is the same guy who said two Corinthians. I mean, and thought it was cool and thought he was like doing something and saying something. He he, he didn't even know how to, to, to quote the scripture. But anyway, I digress. Um, but you know, you mentioned in your article, I thought it was very good that you talk about how you know. It, 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 you know, Amy Barrett, Judge uh, Amy Barrett is on the uh, Supreme Court, um, you know, was it was like hands off with her. She's this Christian leader. And how dare you, you know, come after her with her Catholic faith and how, you know, she stands on her values and belief. But the black reverend, I guess, is just this crazy black dude is just I guess my point is, is that it, it, it still comes down to race. When you look at Amy Barrett, she's this, you know, soccer mom, nice Catholic woman, and, you know, pure as snow. And this guy is just this radical black guy just trying to radical, you know, is just trying to get the, the, get the, the, the natives, the blacks, all, all riled up. And he's really not about anything. He can't be a man of faith. He can't be a man of God because he's black and we black and, and we just want our way. I mean, it just seems like... That hypocrisy is right there. That even our even our black leadership is not deemed as uh, on the same level when it comes to white Christians and that whole um, uh, Christianity when it comes to Christian nationalism. For me, which means uh, the way in the, in the way that you per- portrayed it in, in your article, that typically means white Christians. Right, right. I mean, so what we saw during during the Supreme Court hearing with Amy Coney Barrett, who is now Justice Barrett, I suppose, was Democrats by and large, the Senate Democrats. It was hands off about talking about her very conservative right wing Christian faith. Right. It, right. I mean, they absolutely didn't mention it, and and, and it wasn't just that it was a right-wing Christians. It was kind of extreme, right, uh, to, an, to an extent. But yet, and again, I mentioned this in the article, uh, it was somehow fair game to attack Warnock and his faith tradition, as it, of course, was to attack uh, uh, Jeremiah Wright, who we know, of course, famously is or was Obama's pastor, and then, of course, lumped in James Cone, who is the uh, father of black liberation theology, and, and other uh, preachers, Calvin Otis Butts, who is now the current pastor, of course, out of the Baptist City and Baptist Church. And quite frankly, this is King. They, these are the same people, the lineage, right, a new different generation that attacked Martin Luther King Jr., uh, because what we have to understand, and you said it boils down to race. Well, of course it boils down to race. Right. Recall the it's an old photo and it's a picture of the Ku Klux Klan and they're in a church and right above it, it says Jesus saves. So, again, this goes all the way back, quite frankly, to the days of when Africans 
arrived to this country, and we were forced, quite frankly, with Christianity down our throat, although we always had a belief, of course, in God. And, it, and, and, it, and from, from our oppression came, in, in many respects, uh, black liberation theology and the social gospel movement, which, gave the, uh, which, which provided the spiritual underpinnings for the civil rights movement. And King was rooted in such tradition. Raphael Warnock is rooted in such tradition. I'm rooted in such tradition. And that is the prophetic tradition that African, most African Americans, I should say, or I shouldn't, I would, some, not most, some African Americans are rooted in. And it, and it started with a, a pastor in Augusta, Georgia, William Jefferson White. Uh, who who right. is is somehow credited with that social gospel movement? Who put the word of God, so to speak, as we say in the church, into practice, ensuring that Jesus came for the oppressed. Jesus himself, being an African Palestinian Jew, to set the captives mm. free. Right. So we we know this, but again. In the night, in the in a more politic, more politicized, organized, formally in the '60s against these white Christian conservatives, and Trump is a means to an end. This is why they are able to ignore his grabbing of women's vaginas. This is why they are able to ignore his his bastardization of scripture because he's a means to an end. He serves their purpose. And he served their purpose, of course, by putting an Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court. You know, I just need you to say uh, Jesus was who? I just need you to repeat that. <laughs> that Jesus is and was an African Palestinian Jew. <laughs> okay. I just need you to re- repeat that for the audience, uh, uh, folks. And that's a whole different deep conversation, uh, Professor. Uh, we, we have to get you on to, to talk about it again. And you know, they, you know, Scripture says, you know, you know them by their fruit, right? So you know uh, the fruit of of these people and how they they this this Christian imperialism that's taking place that was forced upon us. Like you said, we believe we we have our relationship with with our God with Christ. You know, and the Christianity part is a whole different thing. But anyway, I want to read this real quick because I know you only got a lot of time. But part of your article, you said the black tradition of the social gospel equipped uh, civil rights leaders with much of their movement's intellectual underpinning. Essentially, to attack Warnock as radical is to attack square on the legacy of Dr. King. Very good point. Like Warnock, he believed that racism, sexism, materialism, I mean, militarism, Poverty, classism were deeply ingrained inequities uh, that long have threatened America's democratic ideals. Whenever religious figures speak in the prophetic tradition that critiques American imperialism and exceptionalism, they are vilified as anti-American. You talk about tropes going on. Should we even be surprised with this? And and the, the second part of it is, you know, we we not just are as our 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 black pastors like yourself, our reverends, we are supposed to be preaching love and you know, um love, 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 love and love, 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 love. 
<laughs> not justice, not equality, none of that thing. It's almost like we again we have to be we have to acquiesce, we have to be non threatening. And they won't God forbid something happens to this man that he serves for a long time as a senator. When he moves on and goes home, he you know, they'll appreciate him then, just like in like you said, in the lines of Dr. King. Now they want to do that. I have a dream speech. They don't want to talk about the speech he talked about, you know, the danger of a moderate white. So or, um, you know, when he called out the, the uh, rabbis and others from from his uh, his jail cell. And when he talked about Vietnam and talked against that, they don't want to talk about that part. They want to do the kumbaya part. Right. Look, um, there, there are two things, and and, and again, I, don't, I didn't come on in my role as as a as a pastor as a preacher, but Luke four eighteen says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, right, to heal the brokenhearted, and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of slight sight, excuse me, to the blind." And then Matthew goes on to articulate, you know, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick, you gave me shelter. When I was, you know, naked, you clothed me. This is what is in scripture, and this is part of the social gospel movement is all about. So, and and I think we also have to be very clear. In those two scriptures I just gave, that within itself is rooted in love. Because King called for us to be more of a love-oriented society and less of a thing-oriented society. And love, right, is a peace that is just as powerful as any weapon. So it is not this sort of kumbaya, sentimental-type feeling of love, but it is a radical love that shifts the power from those who are the oppressors to ensuring that the oppressed have access, that the oppressed have food, something to eat, something to drink, housing, shelters, and to set them ultimately free, as indicated in Scripture. And and that's that's essentially what it talks about. But you know, you you can't be radical. Uh, and you you talk about uh, uh, how that goes on. It, it if how would Doc King deal with a Republican Party with a a power structure with those one percent that wants to keep down the other ninety nine percent? I mean, it, it feels like we're going towards apartheid. You know what apartheid was? I mean, ten percent of the people running ninety percent of the the darn country. And it wasn't until the you know the, the the push forward and and where the world saw all of these atrocities that things changed and 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 you saw how um, the white uh, establishment fought back so hard because a they didn't want to lose their power and b they probably said man the way we treated them they're gonna get us bad and I think that's the same thing that's going on here they're afraid of losing their power and that would be right. those who are uh, that, that Christian establishment, um, and they're afraid that what they've done to us is going to come back ten times worse to them. So, what would Dr. King? How would he handle this in this day and age? You know, 
I, I cannot pretend and know how Dr. King w- would handle this, right? He would be 91, I think, uh, you know. <laughs> so what would a 91-year-old do? But, but what I can tell you is that we refuse in this country, right, we refuse to deal with his moral thought and his political philosophy in this contemporary moment. Because it's easy to deify a dead dreamer than to heed the words of a living prophet. And so mm. we, we encase him as this you know, innocuous, colorblind dreamer, as this, as this you know, proverbial tooth fairy of racial harmony. But we refuse to deal with the moral and political philosophy. And until we're able to actually – and you, you made a mention of this, of just referring to his I Have a Dream speech, but – of ignoring all of his other sermons and speeches where he actually forces us to talk about this moment, to talk about a revolution of values. Even in his address uh, at the Riverside Church of going, I think it's beyond Vietnam, where he talked about shifting financial resources for, uh, from this sort of militarized prison industrial complex to the poor. Right, which is ultimately what led to his death. So we, we refuse to, to really read and listen to what he said. And so I think he would still be challenging the power structures of this country today right, with a radical love, shifting resources, shifting the, the narrative that we have been, of course, oppressed with for far too long. Time and time again, the black prophetic preaching tradition has called America to its better self. And we see that black people continue to call, black and other oppressed groups of people historically, continue to call America to be its better self. Because most whites in this moment do not have the wherewithal to ascertain and to try to figure out and understand what happened on January 6th, because as you indicated, too much of their humanity, too much of their identity is rooted in them maintaining power, and most yeah. are unconscious of it. Um, Bernice King, I saw a quote. She said, please don't act like uh, everyone like my father, that he was hated, um, and he was isolated um, mm-hmm. back then, especially when he did come out against Vietnam more, but it, I think she's making a point of like, you know, come on America, the same people who want to, you know, uh, adore him and talk about all that. I have a dream and want people to feel warm and fuzzy wanted him dead. And the same people, um, professor that, uh, talk about quality that he wanted and, and are quick to have their, you know, staffers find quotes to talk about it are trying to stop voter, you know, voters from uh, voting, voter suppression right. and uh, the, the inequalities in housing and jobs and, and, and schools, HBCUs underfunded and all of those things. The, the hypocrisy goes to the highest levels. And again, it goes, it's not just about 45 and it's not just about those who you pointed out eloquently in your article. It's about those who, you know, they stroke us on the back and stab us at the same time. And that's what they did to Dr. King. And they certainly, just like Ali, now he's dead. He's not threatening. They want to reveal him and, and love him now. But when he was, when he said, no Vietcom, uh, call me nigger, 
they hated him then, but it's the same thing with Dr. King. Absolutely. He, he Muhammad Ali, and several others are now a part of the, the pantheon of American civic gods, right? We, we use them conveniently for our ideological talking points, and we take him and others out of the case when we need to, uh, to appeal to peace every time citizen protest exposes the hypocrisy of democracy, particularly for those who are living under the underside of the American empire. So absolutely, we, we continuously use King for our convenience, and particularly every time citizens protest or when we call out to the hypocrisy of democracy. And I would also add a footnote that there were black churches and black pastors who were also equally against King because they, because they right. thought that King was moving too fast. He was doing too much. And given the conservative nature of now and, and historically of the black church, they too were equally critical of King. So, you're, so Bernice King is, of course, absolutely right. He was not this beloved dreamer when he was alive. Right, which is why I right. said it is, it is it is easy to deify a dead dreamer than it is to heed the words when he was alive. That's right. Uh, Religion and politics is the uh, website. What the attacks on uh, Raphael Warnock's faith reveal about Christian nationalism is the article. Uh, Professor Quadricus uh, Driscoll wrote it. Please do. We'll give that information out again where you can find it. Uh, Professor, uh, if you want to let people know how they can follow you, uh, other articles or anything else, please do let them know. I know you you, you got to get out of here. Sure, sure. You can follow me on Twitter, which is also where the article is housed at Q underscore Driscoll, D-R-I-S-K-E-L-L-4. That's Q underscore Driscoll 4. As always, Professor, I appreciate you coming on. Be well, and uh, I will talk with you very soon. Thank you for your time. Great. Thank you. Take good care. You too. Professor Trotrico Bernard Driscoll, adjunct professor of legislative politics, uh, specifically religion and politics at the George Washington University Graduate School of Political Management. The article, once again, uh, on religion and politics, their website, religionandpolitics.org, what the attacks on Raphael Warnock's faith reveal about Christian nationalism. I call it Christian uh, uh, white Christians, essentially, is what he's saying. Uh, here on the Bass News Radio Show. Uh, going to get to our next guest shortly, right here on the Bass News Radio Show and the Bass News Radio Network, WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carborough. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. 
Welcome back. The doctor is in. Uh, always good to have him on. He is a motivational speaker, community activist, and media personality. He is Dr. Lee Bell. And, Doc, appreciate you coming on. I hope all is well with you, sir. Thank you, L.A. All is okay. And happy Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day to you and the audience. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, and, and incidentally, before I kind of talk about that excerpt and get into it, I, I you know, the it's a part of me, Dr. Bell, that wants to just not play that, right? Like not play any excerpts, like not maybe, maybe acknowledge today, but not go overboard. And here's why we do this every January 18th. Um, we do it for a day. You see the excerpts on TV, you see the movies and the documentaries and everybody black and white got a quote all the politicians, everybody's peaceful. And, you know, like the great Dr. King said, uh, it's, I just think it's very disrespectful. And as I just mentioned, I saw a quote from uh, Bernice King, his, his, one of his daughters who said, you know, let, let, let's be clear. They hated my dad. They hated my father. They didn't want him around. It wasn't until he was dead. You know, if you're dead, you're not a threat unless you're a ghost or something. You're not a threat. So you're dead. You know, you might be martyred, but you're dead. So they don't have to worry about you anymore. They don't have to worry about, you know, this king stirring up stuff. And these are, as my former guest said, these are white and black Christians. Remember, black people's like, man, you need to slow your roll. Come on now, you bringing on the man. We don't, we don't need all this pressure, Dr. King. You're going a little bit too fast. Slow it down. So he he was hated on all kinds of from all kinds of angles and people. So the hypocrisy of this kumbaya moment one day and back to hating uh, the next, I just find it very offensive. I find it offensive. I'm not even a king family member. I I find it offensive, and I know they do. So talk about that. Just 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 this feeling that you and I get it. We know what it meant. We had the pride. We, we, we want to strive to be where he want us to be. But in that time, and even now, somebody, uh, one of the sports reporters years ago said Martin Luther Kuhn and said it was a, a fraudulent mistake. How do you fraudulent make a mistake and call him Martin Luther Kuhn? So even today is going on. So right. Exactly. So speak to that. This, this, whole, this whole phonyism, if you will, of how people want to revere this man because he's dead. It's easy to, to, to pat him on the back when he's dead, but you feared him and hated him when he was alive. And in many respects, L.A., there's a large group of folk who still fear Dr. King today, those insurrectionists on January 6th. You know, I've been reading on Twitter and some of the other social media platforms today. There's a lot of people who are feeling as you do. They're sick and tired of the platitudes for Dr. King. There are people who are 
co-opting Dr. King's words today and tomorrow they will continue their hate towards black, brown, and low-income people. So it seems to be a building momentum. You know, if you're going to take the words of such a great man, Place them in your heart so you mean it and you work from that 365 days a year. There are folks who want to jump on the bandwagon. We can go to community gatherings outside of this COVID thing. And every black preacher that you talk to, they march with Dr. King. When in reality, they were amongst those who hated Dr. King for bringing the heat, trying to improve our lot in life. If I were to go to the great city of Detroit, it was Aretha Franklin's father, Reverend C.L. Franklin, who was about the only clergy person in Detroit that embraced Dr. King at that time. Dr. King practiced the I Have a Dream speech in Detroit before he brought it to the nation's capital. Now, Detroit is somewhat like Flint. There's a church on every corner. So for Dr. King to feel isolated at that time by the clergy, it's an insult. And one of the most disrespectful instances for me today of someone mouthing Dr. King's words was Trump's press secretary, Kelly McEnany. We know what she is about every day, but today she wanted to quote Dr. King. You see what the Trumpsters have brought to the surface. For four years, on January 6th, there was no love in their hearts. There may have been love of their race, only their race. We talked about on the 7th on your show, we talked about people being upset at the Insurrection at the Capitol And at that time I Said to you I was not Upset about The attack on the building In my mind The Capitol Is one of the Biggest Race Promoting Race hating institutions We have today It's due to the legislation that comes out of that building or that does not come out of that building. 
The insurrection brought with it violence. But the folk who work in there, our senators and some of our U.S. reps, they promote violence on our communities by what they do and don't do in that building. During the impeachment hearings for new state, uh, new U.S. rep, my new girlfriend, Corey Bush, she called a spade a spade, excuse the expression. She went into condemning the white supremacist in chief. And this is only her third day on the job, I believe. And she right. received such such an outroar of disapproval for what she said. And what she said was true. She talked about the Trump. She talked about his supporters. And you would have thought that she was back in the South in the 1950s. Now that came from her colleagues in the Capitol building. We can talk you know, about doctor, the, one, uh, of, it, one of the things ahead. too, when you, 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 you think about um, the insurrection on January 6th, th- this is so we're, we're digressing. We're going backwards. We're not, this is not, 2021 this is like 1821 it seems i mean if you look at the pictures they not only went into uh, the, the the house floor the senate floor i believe uh, it was either one uh these pictures the they're not only standing yeah they're standing there where um whoever would be um you know uh holding court if you will in the senate sitting in that seat they're standing there doc and they're praying Thanking God for they're there. I mean, if you watch the video, they're praying. Guy, the guy got his hands up. He got his head down. He's praying. This is, you know, this is uh, Christian imperialism. This is Europe imperialism. This is the, the Christian right. This is the Christian white with a W. This is, you know, slaves obey your masters with fear and trembling. Uh, and and the, the, the slave masters taking that uh, in its context, taking it literally, and infringing and implementing this Christian way of keeping slaves in place. That's what I saw on TV, Doc. I saw these people said, this is our house. This is our country. We're taking it back. Well, not only we're taking it back, we're going to start a new country. Like this is like the, the British against the, you know, Americans all over again. It's, 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 it's scary. It really is because these people really believe what they're doing. So it's it's, it's yes, yeah, certainly the the orange orangutan number forty five has a lot to do with it. But he was birthed from from a long time ago. But this is white folks saying, you know what? I had enough. I'm tired of being called racist. I'm tired. Of, what do they want, Doc? What do they want? They got everything. What else do they want? Uh, other well, than, I mean, I don't get it. Well, L.A., that's kind of funny because that's the question I've been asking all day. What the hell do white people have to be mad about? Right. 
It doesn't make any sense. We still. And, and I, I was reading. Uh, I was reading real quick, Doc. I was reading a, a pastor, white pastor. He was saying, you know, this is an awakening for white people. We need to look ourselves in the mirror. We need to, to ask the questions. We need to pray and be with our, our black and brown. If we are, are all about humanity and we really love God, then we need to be on one accord. We need to challenge ourselves. And he went on to do some, to say some other stuff. Um, but that's where it is. And so. They they don't want that. You can't call them anything. How dare you tell me to wear a mask? How dare you call me racist? How dare you take anything from me? I'm white. You're not. I own this country. And the scary part, L.A., it looks as though it's across all spectrums. Police, former and active duty servicemen. Nurses, businessmen, there were probably some religious leaders out there. Once upon a time, we could say that it might be the low-income white folks. But they're highly intelligent, they educate, preach on. Being financed, being financed by the rich folk who felt like that too. But this is just across all spectrums, and they had some of them had their children out there. Mm. So their mm. children are in training. Mm. It's 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 amazing, Doc. Too, we're talking with Dr. Lee Bell here on the Bachelor News Radio Show and the Bachelor News Radio Network WCOM. In uh, Chapel Hill, Carborough, North Carolina, it, it's amazing, Doc, that uh, it, it's not just them wanting their country back. And no one, I, I never say that all white people are racist. What I do say is that they are born with privilege. Simple as that. And the, the problem is, Doc, is that as Dr. King talked about the moderate. Whites, be careful. They are dangerous. They are dangerous. He 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 preached and talked about it. He wrote about it. Um, that the ones who it, it the ones that you know that they call you a nigga, they don't like you. They don't let you know that there's the ones that June 6th they went there, right? It's the ones that sit idle by and don't do anything. Stand down. I'm not a racist. I I never my family never owned any slaves. But guess what? You can't drive while white. Do you not understand that? And I don't. They don't get that part. And until they get that part, we're going to. I. I. I pray I'm wrong, Doc. But we're going to see this type of stuff going on. It's not going anywhere. And to your point, I think you and I have been saying this for a year now, probably even longer, that these people are not just poor whites, marginalized white people. Um, these are highly intelligent lawyers, doctors, law enforcement, all judges, which is even more dangerous than the people with the, they're the judges. So they're going to, you know, uh, it put sentences on black and brown people worse than, than their own. Um, and these are people like David Duke who said, wait a minute. No, we don't have to wear masks anymore. Let's just, just blend into society. We can control it like that. Just like uh, the, the, the lynch letters, 
when he said, Doc, you're familiar with it. He said, listen, you don't have to beat these, these animals. Why do you beat them? Them envy of, the, of each other. The house Negro to the field Negro, the dark skin to the light skin. Make them, you know, hate each other and be envious. Yeah. Then you got them. They, run, they won't run away because they're going to turn on each other anyway at that point. And now, now that's what's going on at, at this point in society. Without a doubt, L.A., we here in Michigan, we say beware of the liberal white folk. That's right. And I'll use the perfect example, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. She will be a vice chair of the Democratic Party. And we draw attention to the way she has treated black people since she's been in office and even before. One instance is that as soon as she got elected, she went to a town called uh, Benton Harbor, Michigan, majority black city, one high school. She went in to close that high school and the black children would have been bused to a white suburb. It took the Detroit activists and others to go to Benton Harbor and force her to leave. We talk about former Flint Mayor Karen Weaver campaigning vigorously for then-candidate uh, Gretchen Whitmer. The next year, when Mayor Weaver was running for mayor again, Whitmer did not help her at all. And as a matter of wow. fact, there has been no communication with then governor, I mean then Mayor Weaver. Now you'd think when Gretchen Whitmer thought about offering the citizens of Flint $600 million for the Flint water crisis as a potential settlement, You'd think she would talk to the lady who was the mayor at that time, the lady who declared the city of Flint to be in an emergency. That emergency forced the county to declare an emergency, and then it forced the state to declare an emergency. But Whitmer has never spoken to our former mayor again, never. And I could go on and on and on about she, how she has disrespected the black folk in Detroit, Flint, and other urban centers. But she will be a vice chair of the Democratic Party, nominated by Joe Biden. Right, and and we'll and, get on, and and he and you'll see her, and you'll see uh, forget the former senator in in, in uh, Missouri, and some of these others that deem to be, you know, just they are just outraged by number forty five, and how dare, and it's all about race, but you you stand down. I mean, Dr. King, uh, you know, um, Dr. Bell. He said, the quote, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, 
but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy, end quote. So it's easy, right, to get on, jump on the board when 45 is acting up and you got these insurgents and all these people going to the insurrectionists, going to the, you know, Capitol Hill doing what they're doing. Um, it's easy to talk about it then. But what about the policy? What, where's the, the, the moral courage, uh, the courage to, to, to do the right thing then? And black people as it, it, well. I mean, uh, Clyburn, who I have lost lots of re, uh, respect for, who basically called Joe Biden the honorary black man. And I hate that because Joe Biden can't drive down the street while black. So he ain't a black man. I don't care what he say, what he do, whatever. He'll never understand our plight. But Clyburn also says, well, in in lieu of January 6th and all that, let's, you know, have the, you know, uh, black national anthem to, to heal the wounds. That I mean, Dr. Bell, like, what does that do? Like, that doesn't do anything. And and again, it, Dr. King said it. it you got to show courage when when people don't expect you. You got to step out on faith and do something different if you're really about social injustices and, and righting the wrongs. And black and white folks in 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 politics and and alike don't have the courage to do so. Well, L.A., it's interesting that you mentioned the National Black Anthem. Now, when the National Football League, during its preseason, when they played that before the games, you saw the reaction. Right. So to Mr. Clyburn, that's not going to do very much. It's not even impactful. It's not. But, Ellie, you asked me how close are we to Dr. King's dream today. And if I look at it from a macro level, we're still at the place we were when he was shot down by that assassin's bullet. Hmm. We've made some individual accomplishments. We have quite a few more millionaire athletes, entertainers, a few businessmen. But as a collective, we have not moved, really. We've had some gains in some areas, but we've had losses in some other areas. We look at the numbers with the COVID Infections and death It shows us that We're still a marginalized people Mm. You look at education Especially with this pandemic Those young people who were struggling Struggling more Due to economics They may not have internet connection Or maybe if they do have it, the plan doesn't cover eight to nine hours a day online. Do they have computers that allow them to log in to do their work? Does their parents... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Does their parents have the education to assist them? 
And I could go on and on and on about the devaluing of urban centers, the crime, and we could go on and on and on and on. So in many respects, we are not any closer to Dr. King's dream. I don't think any any anywhere close to it, uh, uh, Dr. Bell. You know, Dr. King spoke about, and I mentioned this earlier in the broadcast, um, that, you know, um, writing is the voice of the unheard. And uh, I've even seen these supremacists taking that as as faith value, like go riot. And and, and here's the, even in, even in that, Doc, so when George Floyd and others, when this this man, rest his God rest his soul, said I can't breathe, right? And and he calling his mother out and all these things, uh, on TV and everything, and people got upset, and it was like you know you've seen what happened in Detroit back in the sixties and and Watts in L.A. and all these different places and the rioting, everybody goes. It was wrong, but it was wrong. He got killed, but see, see, white folks and black uh, sympathizers go, it's wrong, but why are you destroying areas? And nobody's saying, Captain Obvious is like, no, we don't want to burn down stuff, and, and, and I'm not saying that, but it's always a but, always a but. Instead of saying, you know what? I know they destroyed it, but guess what? These people are frustrated. They're angry. They can't take it anymore. Instead of taking it that way, they go, I understand George Floyd, but uh, those are the apologists and those who are racist and those who are uh, the stand down people. They're the others. They they do that. And so how do you get people to understand, Doc? I was going to say, how do you get people to understand uh, taking out what he said in context to understand because the George Floyd is certainly different, in my opinion, than these rioters, Klansmen that wanted to take back their country in Capitol Hill on January 6th. Well, L.A., let me put another but on that. But it wasn't us doing the looting and burning. There you go. But also let me say that George Floyd lost his life trying to live. And the insurrectionists are pissed off because they can't go to work and catch COVID or because they can't go outside or they're asked to safeguard themselves, their family members, and the community by wearing a mask. The two do not equate. That's right. And again, you use the words, the term white privilege. And and that's really what it boils down to, uh, Doc, because even, and here's the, the other scary part, of it. these politicians, even with this, you know, the Capitol wants to protect them, by the way, um, Put these new measures and security in places. These metal detectors, and they're they got their panties in the in in a bunch. But tell that to the inner cities and these high schools who have metal detectors, and these kids got to go through it all the time. See, welcome to the party. Every day, like it's every, it's every day. day. 
right? Detroit Jazz, come on now. That that it brings it. they they got it brings, all the time. It brings us back to us and them. And then you have the members of Congress who are trying to let Trump off for the insurrection. Let's heal. Let's try bipartisan legislation. Right. That, that that does not compute. Now that they it, are in the minority party, they want to change the rules. I've heard a lot of people um, that in the vein of, of Dr. King, um, not just uh, black people, brown people, marginalized people, the, those who are poor and oppressed. But Doc, it 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 goes without saying that black women in this country are at the bottom of the totem pole. Even number forty five, he can't stand them. Anybody of color, especially, he can't. AOC, anybody, he can't stand. He he certainly don't like this vice, vice president elect. And I've heard black people that are very um, disheartened, and that's, I'm being nice, that Kamala Harris is the vice president-elect. And when you think about it, Doc, like black, black women, we know, Doc, black women have held it down in our communities for a long time. OJ needs to say thank you forever because of black women on that on that. Uh, uh, on that jury, jury. and, yeah. and they, are, they are they are not paid equally to their white women counterparts, and this 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 feeling and this sense of oppression with them specifically, um, it, it's real. And uh, white society doesn't want to give any black folks. And I I mean I got three sisters, and I know what they go through, and all our people out there. I mean, it, it, it's real. And, and I heard people, black folks is like, well, you know, I ain't really feeling her. I mean, what do you want? You want Geraldine Ferraro? Like, what do you want at this point? Like, if you have someone, well, she's part Indian and just, okay, well, Barack was, you know, part something too. So, but you ain't have a problem with that. So now you got a problem with her. I wouldn't have voted for her, but you know what? Must respect to her. She's there, and she's, you know, give her an opportunity to do the thing. But I think historically, Dr. Bell, I think any woman of color is always going to be, until something changed um, dramatically and even in a a way of uh, 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 really um, radically, if it doesn't change, there are always going to be issues with, with, Black women and women of color Without a doubt In the white folks mind Black women are Sexual creatures They're meant to Be of service CNN did a Hour program On uh, Kamala Last night And I watched it And I have a newfound respect For her We hear a lot of negativity about what she did in California as attorney general and a prosecutor. 
but she is actually a change agent. She will ruffle feathers trying to do the right thing. So if you have not seen the CNN special on Kamala, I'm sure they'll be showing it again. I do have a new respect for her. Yeah, and I do too. Again, um, I I I was one of those who brought up how, you know, as a prosecutor, there were some issues there in terms of how she was, you know, imprisoning uh, uh, the brothers. But uh, again, you have to give those those opportunities. Got to do the research, and so you know, and uh, again, it came from some brothers. Is like, well, you know, I know one a guy personally that I was taken aback. Like he's like, well, I don't know. I'd like buy them, but I don't like Harris. I'm like. What? Like I don't get that. It, but I mean, there was a lot of that that's going on, Doc. I was very surprised by some of the reactions I got with her being the vice president elect. But what you have to remember also, LA, is some of that uh, attitude and information was spread by Republicans and perhaps even some white Democratic candidates. I know Gretchen Whitmer probably doesn't like her that much because she took what Gretchen thought was hers. She thought she was on exactly. the VP uh, train. You know, right. L.A., Dr. King's dream does not have to stay a dream. There are three takeaways from that speech that if we employ in our everyday lives, whether it's personally or even in business, uh, the first part is addressing the issue. And we know Dr. King strongly addressed the issue of racism and inequality. Secondly, he cast a vision. He told us about the dream. And as a matter of fact, he sold that dream to us. He sold the dream to us so much that we embraced the dream and we could see the dream as well. And then the third part is taking action. In 1964, when Dr. King won the Nobel Peace Prize, he took $54,000 and he put it back into the Civil Rights Department, or the Civil Rights Movement, I should say. And Dr. King lived very modestly during those days. It was Harry Belafonte who purchased a life insurance policy for Dr. King. Before that, he did not have one. And it was Mm. Carabella Fonte that bought servants or help to Coretta Scott King to help her out with the children. You know, her plate was full being a mother the wife of Dr. King, the activist, and the wife of Dr. King, the preacher. So for him to take $54,000 and to put it back in the movement, that says 
quite a lot about Dr. King. So you know, Doc, three I, points, I, go ahead. So if we employ those three points, we can live the dream each and every day. Address the issue, cast the vision, and take action. And the actions don't have to be monumental. They can be small as a prayer group, organizing people on your block, or organizing around an issue. A lot of times when we I have to say this, too. I, I got an email from someone, and T-Mac, I see you, bro. I'm going to get you on there. Um, I, I have to say this. If, if, if someone tuned in for a minute and said, you know, love the show, nice and cute. It's not about being cute. See, this is the problem, right? This is the problem. It's not about LA. being cute. I'm not trying to be cute. It's not speaking the. Sh- I'm not the shock jock. This is real talk. Like it's it's not. We're living in a moment, as you and I have just said and agreed upon, that we're no closer to Dr. King's dream than 1968. You know, and so it's not about being cute is about being real talk like we as black people we have to engage we can't i'm not asking you to to be watching c-span or whatever and npr and all that every day but damn like know what's going on in your community like understand that like be able to you don't even have to protest and go on the streets but right you on facebook shaking your ass all day right so then send out the 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 realities of what's going on. If you're on Facebook doing that, why not just send out something, some truths to what's going on, Dr. Bell? And I think that people don't understand the ramifications of January 6th, but the fact that there's people in the Congress that believe that. Like, it's dangerous. Like, they want to kill us and stuff. I don't think people understand how serious it really is at this point. You know, L.A., uh, some of the conversations I've been having in the community and with folks that I communicate with, you say real talk, and I add to that for real times. It's hard to find bullets right now. And that's not by accident. As you say, we are under attack and some folks are going to look up and wonder what the H is going on that's right and Doc before you go I want to read something from uh, some folks that came in the chat um, that uh, they were talking about um, uh, uh, Beatrice King that talked about her father was hated and she's right um, in, in terms of uh, she talked about the infiltration that this chat person talked about the infiltration of the black community also talked about how many people of color have researched enough MLK to recall him saying nothing in in the world more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity also got a chat that says we keep using them as paper gods 
and icons never realizing they're revealing their own ignorance of who uh, they thought MLK was. And then there was another one that said that, um, I guess, um, well, that one is kind of, it's kind of uh, cut off, but uh, to, to your point um, and to uh, the, the chatters point is that we don't, you know, we, I think we as people, black people fall into the whole white folks that do the quotes on January 18th and then in, in February, Black History Month, same thing. We fall right into it and then we keep it moving. It's a day off, right? It, hey, I'm off. I got a day off. I'm just going to chill. It's, it's, you know, I don't have to do anything. It's Martin Luther King Day. So I'm just going to relax and go to sleep. And I might catch the documentary on, on TV. And, and that's the danger. Like, we don't want to engage. We, we don't understand um, that it's right in front. Like, they put it in front of us. January 6th is right in front of us. They don't want – this is their country. They hate us. they mad because they've been called racist and everything else. So now they're going to take their country back by any means necessary. And they got the power and the infiltration to take place. So the final question for you, Doc, um, Dr. King today, some people say integration was the downfall of our race. Inf- in- integration was infiltration of our race. How do you feel about that? And how do you think if Dr. King was alive, he would, he would uh, 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 sort of engage in that? Dr. King actually wondered if he had taken us as a people, led us into a burning building. Right. With integration, we lost our great communities. We lost a lot of businesses. We lost our forced solidarity. That's a tough question. I was wondering earlier today, about Dr. King's frame of mind about where we are today. And I believe he would be disturbed. And I believe he would be frustrated on a lot of different fronts with us as people, with our government, and many of the institutions. And I think Dr. King would have done something out of the box, like perhaps go to the United Nations and try to force the United States government's hand that way. But to the listeners, I implore you to take this insurrection serious. It's just the tip of the iceberg. That's right. It may sound I mean, cliche. It may sound cliche, but we need one another. We need to stop the killing, start self-loving, and try to make this place a better place to be, to live. We only have a limited amount of time here. I would hate for some folks to die 
and figure out that they wasted their time. Well, I, 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 I respect it. You said make a difference, Doc. I, I respect and appreciate you. You not only in Flint, you're dealing with the, the water atrocities that uh, took place that people, you know, are getting a pass like that former governor. You getting misdemeanor charges, right? He gonna pay a fine and go live in the, la- the life of luxury somewhere. While these kids are poisoned for the rest of their life. By the way, Flint, Michigan, folks. I mean, Flint, Michigan. Check it out. Water, poison water. They can't drink it. Then, then, then you want to put a vaccine on people who can't trust the water. Now they gonna get the vaccine. You, you want them to trust the vaccine. With Doc, we already talked about that, but I appreciate that and the fact that you uh, understand with the people's, the, the poor people's campaign and, and, and the fact that, you know, Reverend Barber and yourself and others are reaching out and hopefully this Biden administration will, will understand. Nobody should be homeless and poor in this country. But again, it's big business. It's big business. Right. So it, it, it's right. good to be poor and homeless in this country so you can make money off it just like if you're in prison so it's the yeah. same thing uh final thought we are uh, well i read a friend's tweet before coming on and her favorite quote by dr king was mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the lord what i often think about is the promised land and I want you all to know that I may not get there with you that's right so someone needs yeah, to step up and be there to take my place that's right and that and that's what it is and um i, I again um we we allow white society i'm just going to keep it real to make him into the i have a dream speech Let's hold hands and let's pray it away. Let's just pray it away. All this gonna be well. We just and I'm I'm not making fun of that. I, I mean I'm a praying man, but you know what I'm saying. The pray without works, right? So they I, they they don't want him to be the guy who also talked about this Vietnam War is for people who are poor uh, of all races. And no, wait a minute. We need to silence this guy. He's got to go. He no. The establishment, he's got to go. But he wasn't a guy who who thought that, um, you know, strong arming and 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 being uh, not only with your your voice, but your actions uh, take place. And I think that's that's part of even with our own communities that we don't get. We take this day to chill out. And we don't really take it serious. Doc, as always, man, I love you. Appreciate you. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Um, Dr. King was against the war economy. And all we have to do today, tonight, is turn on the the TV and see how many troops are in Washington, D.C. Flip the channel and see how many people are in food lines. Hmm. And think about this too, Doc, to your point. There's 25,000 people in the nation's capital. That's more than Afghanistan and Iraq right now. 
Yeah. Um, it, and these are stop calling them domestic terrorism. They're terrorists. Period. These are people that are so-called Americans fighting against Americans. It is nothing domestic about. It. They just terrorists. Stop trying to define right. it. And then the other part of it is too, Doc. They don't have any policies on the book to deal with these people because they don't because these white folks went to the Capitol and they did what they did because guess what? They knew they can get away with it. They left, went home to their wives and kids, kissed them and, and went to bed and went to sleep. Let us go up there and we would be shot on sight, snipers and everything. They well, went remember, there, tore it up, did everything. Well, remember when Black Lives Matters was marching, they kept them 10 blocks or so away from the Capitol. That's right. So and the Antichrist can hold the Bible upside down. <laughs> so the Antichrist yes. can hold the Bible upside down saying two Corinthians. <laughs> yes. Two Corinthians. I mean, <laughs> really, I, I got to laugh before I cry and get angry. But listen, I appreciate you, sir. You be well. I will talk with Thanks, you next week and talk with you off the air, man. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate you. Dr. Lee Bell, motivational speaker, media personality, and uh, community activist. Flint, Michigan, folks. If you don't know what's going on with the water crisis, you need to Google Flint water crisis and see he's there leading the fight um, on the ground. It's Bass News Radio Network, Bass News Radio Show. Get to my get next guest in uh, uh, shortly. This man is a doctor. This man is a doctor. Yeah, this man is a doctor. Oh, when it comes on in. Oh. I don't understand. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. I just want to remind people, uh, wherever you are at the top of the hour, you lose the live feed. So if you're not on the line at 646-929-0130, you'll lose the live feed. You'll hear a previous show, and um, you'll have to go to our website to listen to the rebroadcast of this entire uh, broadcast this evening. Again, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us if you um, have comments, questions, and people in the chat room now and stuff. Um, and um, we just thank you uh, for uh, listening and coming in. You can always go to our website and leave uh, your comments here, the comment section here at our website, FastNewsRadioNetwork.com. I want to bring in longtime friend, co host, and of course, he is the uh, editor in chief of Black Athlete Sports Newsroom. Is Tony T. Mac McLean and and T. Uh, I hope all is well and you uh, obviously I you know off the air and I hope all is well with you. I hope you're feeling better. Oh yeah, we're good. We're good. We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay, very good, very good. So it, it, on this day, T. It, there's a lot of places we can go because as you know, Dr. King represented all of. 
society, right? So it's not just sports or whatever. It, it sports, of course, is a microcosm of what he was trying to bring. So when you look at now, and we talked about, you know, Jackie Robinson, all the hate he went through, the deliberate crashes when he went to to first base or second base. And all the hate and uh, the nooses and things that we even seen on January 6th uh, in, at Capitol Hill. Where's the legacy that you think Dr. King is at this point in terms of uh, what he tried to accomplish? Well, you know, the only thing is uh, it depends on who's doing the talking. See, we've unfortunately, it seems like we've allowed uh, our enemies to define our heroes, and, and especially with uh, Dr. King, because what always winds up happening is, you know, you get to hear the I Have a Dream speech for the 100 millionth time, you hear the, um, uh, his final speech, and then that's pretty much it. Um, now, they're very important speeches, they're very impactful speeches, and I don't want to, you know, dismiss them. But he was so much more than just a dream, right. you know, and and I think even we have forgotten that. You know, I, I always say with um, – you have to remember, when he spoke out against the Vietnam War, that's when they – I mean, he was literally dead a year right. later. You know, and, that, yep. and that's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence at all. He was speaking on when he was speaking on stuff on the peripheral and you know on intangibles, they didn't have a problem with him. But when he started talking about policy, that's when they had a problem with him. Uh, like uh, Dr. Bell said, you know he he talked about that military um, industrial structure and. That's still a big part of this government. And the fact that he, you know, basically came out, um, the, the fact that he came out um, and said and then said as such is what basically wound up getting him killed. Because the very same, look, the very same people who are, who, the very same white people who always try to put Dr. King out there as a quote-unquote symbol are the very same people that also uh, have manipulated or used uh, black folks as well. Um, I think one of the biggest hypocrites, not just in sports and not just in whatever, is uh, your boy Mr. Sweeney down in South Carolina because he, he, is, he does the old tradition of exploiting black men and black athletes to his game and then he wants to try to come off as um, a, you know, as a whatever in regards to when when athletes when, when athletes want to get paid or when Black Lives Matter is is brought up. That's the real Dabo Sweeney. And see, there are many Dabo Sweeneys in politics, in the government, in whatever. We saw that on display on the sixth. All the six, all the six was was just a reminder of where this country hasn't gone or still hasn't gone 
after all these years. And T, I, 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 I said earlier in the broadcast that I'm torn. Like I want you and I, right, and Dr. Bell, and all, we understand the legacy. We understand the fight. We're, we're in the trenches in different ways. And so when when this day, January 18th, comes up, it's, it, I don't want to hear thoughts and prayers. I don't want to hear the, well, that, I, yeah. I have a dream. I don't want to hear that. Like if you really believed in this man, right, who now it wasn't even a color thing. It was oppression and the poor people, black and brown people who were poor, by the way, and oppressed. It, it was about that. So if you if you really believed in that, don't give me thoughts and prayers. The, his own daughter said, my father was hated. They hated my father. So they now you're gonna do. give me thoughts and prayers still do. And else. So I don't want to they, hear that now. Still, I don't want to do. They that. still do. They still do. They still do hate him. They still hate him. You know they don't maybe hate him as much because he's dead, but the, the hate is still there. That 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 hasn't. That's never changed. You know it's 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 the sense I said this before. You know white folks have always been into symbolism. Right. That's been their whole thing. And if they can, you know, if they can use that little um, subliminal um, manipulation involving Dr. King's legacy, they have and they will. Now, some of that is on us mm. for for allowing that to happen. But also, um, it's, a, you know, I think it's one of those things where you literally, on a day like this, you you literally have to turn off the white noise because there's always look, there's always going to be there's there are going to be folks that are genuine. I, I I think there you know we can definitely say that, but unfortunately because of where we're at now, when we see stuff that went on on the sixth. And that still are going to go on leading up to and even after uh, Wednesday's inauguration. Inauguration. It's, right. it's you know it's not going away. And hold hold, hold that thought real sec. I, I want to hold that thought. I just want to let people know you got about sixty seconds. You lose the live feed, so you need to dial in at six four six nine two nine zero one three zero if you're listening online. Go ahead, T. I always you know, and I hate to use this as a whatever. I always akin it to um, Jackie Robinson Day in the major leagues. You know, everybody and their mama wears 42 on the 15th, and then the problem is still there on the 16th. And and basically right. it's the same thing here where, you know, you'll honor him for whatever, and you'll we'll have a you know you'll have this fake kumbaya moment, but then the overall problem still remains afterwards. And plus a the generation, it's generational too, T. Oh, so it's generational too. That's what I'm saying. That's what that's that's what I'm saying. You know, it it all it all unfortunately it all rolls together. Unfortunately, you know, I I quoted Dr. King earlier, uh, and I'll I'll read it again for a purpose of uh, quote the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort. And convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. End quote, Dr. King. So, again, we had this conversation, but I want to kind of revamp it, if you will, about black media. The fact that black media, to me, T, 
are those black people that are in the break room and they hear them nigger jokes or something along those lines, or they hear something that you clearly know is racist and offensive, but you don't do anything about it. So we want, we have, and we know, T, some people that we know that will want to keep their seat at the table and won't call it out. Like you and I call it out, like your website and ours and we call it out. So how much of a, a, a issue is that in terms of where Dr. King just quoted that he said, you know, uh, you know, where you stand at times of challenge and controversy is where you show the strength of a man or one man. So that how much of that plays into it in today's society? Oh, it it still does. It all it always it all you know it always has. Um, unfortunately, you are going to have folks that are willing to do anything and everything, and then there's other folks that just want to that just want to just get along. And it's it's unfortunate. It's very very unfortunate. And 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 that's the 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 thing when you look at um, the understanding. That people don't get, um, and even with sports, you know, like with with the NFL, you know, non-sports fans will watch the Super Bowl because it's the Super Bowl. They have Super Bowl parties, whatever. They don't really know the game, but you and I and others will go the game within the game. We understand, you know, how they killed Lamar Jackson because he hadn't won a, you know, won a playoff game and all this other stuff, and they want to kill this guy, you know, and all of those things. So how much of the education understanding that we need to get out to people, even in the sports realm, to understand that you're doing the work of the masters if you don't care about this? Again, I don't care if you don't watch C-SPAN, right? But Jamel Hill went from sports to sort of social media social issue type stuff she's still doing sports but she's doing it from a perspective that you and i come from so how much of the education that we need to do to take the sports part and the social a uh, racial part of it to to kind of maybe not educate people but make make well, them look, aware look, 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 of this look, look, microcosm can, of society look, unfortunately you know, you can educate and educate and educate, but, you know, if folks don't get it, they're just not going to get it. And I don't say that as a give up. I'm just saying that that's just, you know, that's unfortunate. That's just how, that's just how there are a segment of folks like that that are just, that are just always going to be that way. And to be honest with you, I could care less if they learn anything. I really can. I just, you know, I can't, we, you know, I'm at the point now, I'm not trying to save everybody. And unfortunately, and again, I don't say that as a give up or whatever. I just say that as just, you know, common sense because not everybody, unfortunately, not everybody wants to be aware. And unfortunately for some folks, they're only going to be aware when it hits home. And then in a lot of instances, it's too late. So, I don't worry about the folks that don't want to be educated and don't want to learn more. I worry, you know, I, you know, you deal with like-minded folks and then you just move on from there. I understand, you know, why we should, but there's, but there comes a point when trying to educate folks that don't want to be educated, 
you wind up hurting you wind up hurting yourself more. Hmm. You know the 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 I guess the the understanding um, how sports is so powerful. Uh, T as you know in society, the fact is that Dr. King connected with these Kareem's, you know, formerly known as Luau Centers and the Jim Browns and people of those, those Elks and in the struggle. And uh, so I guess uh, my next question would be, are people not getting that or has that sort of connection for black people at least been, been, been oppressed? Has that been oblivious at least? There are folks there are folks out there that that are that are that are trying to make a difference and have made a difference. It's you know unfortunately they are not going to get the you know there's a reason why they focus on guys like Kyrie Irving. There's a reason why they focus on 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 on, on uh, for lack of a better word a, a Chad Ojosinko or what have you. You know they're they're done. It's 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 done for a reason. One of the you know one of one of the reasons why they go after uh, LeBron, why they still try to go after Jim Brown, even though Jim has sort of um, gone another direction over the years as well. Yeah, but, yes. <laughs> but 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 and it's and it's unfortunate, but. Um, Again, it's an, it's incumbent upon us to you know to 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 tell the to tell the true story. I mean, I'm you know you're you're seeing all of these quote unquote coaching hires, and let's be honest, they're going to leave. You know, they're going to you know Eric the Enemy is not going to get a head coaching job this year. Right. More and more this drags on, it's not going to happen. And there'll be people that will try to, uh, you know, that will try to legitimize it. That will try to whatever. I've heard people say, well, maybe he's just waiting around for Andy Reid to leave. You know, it's it's you know because you're seeing it's 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 we all know that you know sports, you know the quote unquote microcosm of life and everything like that. Here's a guy that's basically done everything the right way, and all he wants is an opportunity. And they're gonna find another way to not give him an opportunity. And when you bring that up, then people are like, "Well, no, no, he's just not qualified." Who the hell says? What says? Says you? But that's but unfortunately. And, 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 but unfortunately, that's the kind of prevailing attitudes that go on, whether it's politics, whether it's sports, whether it's um, the, the the music industry, or, or, or what have you. You know, I, I was. Um, there's a movie. There's a movie that just came out a couple of days ago. Uh, That's produced by uh, Regina King. It's called uh, One Night in Miami, and it talks wow. about. Uh, it, it it the the backdrop is the the you know when um when Ali defeats uh, Sonny Liston for the uh, for the championship in 1964. And it intertwines his story, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke. Now, we all know them for their chosen fields in, in you know, for, the, for their chosen fields. 
but we also know that they also were giant. You know, they were giants off the you know off the field. Other than that, as well, and we always have to be reminded that while Dr. King is very very important, there are a lot of people um, that were in that period of time, and there's a lot of people now that are still trying to do the same things and are trying to make things uh, that are still trying to make things better. We can focus on the ones that don't want to ride this don't want to get on the same page to a, to an extent, but at some point it's just going to be like, you know what? We need to deal with folks who want to, who want to be on the same page at some point. We just have to. And you know what? Yeah. And, and T to, to your point, uh, you bring up Sonny Liston and Ali, Ali, um, for um, some parts of society uh, was the outcast, but th- you know, Sonny Liston was the establishment. We could d- d- detail about if he was mobbed up, whatever, all that, right? But my point is, is that they want to pit us against each other, right? So well, there's the it. hero and the that's villain all the time. Sure. Let me here. So, so it, it's no difference between Sonny Liston and Ali and Tupac and Biggie and everything. So one's a bad guy, one's a good guy. It's always a battle, and we fall into that. Like, like yeah, the, you sure. got two great boxers, or you got two great rappers, right? And then you one's this and one's that, but we we buy into the this is our enemy, and the enemy looks like us. And then that goes back to way that's the, the that's the lynch letters. Put the dark skins with the light skin that separate them. They envy each other, and and that I think that's. A, a, a big part of how we fall for the banana and the tailpipe, and that's and 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 it's 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 you know that that's why we have to you know you know shut down the noise a lot of times because there's always because they look that's the oldest trick in the book. LeBron and Jordan, <laughs> there's another one. Well, yeah, well, I mean, you know, you know, uh, Tyson or Holyfield. Remember, Tyson was the, you know, whatever. Right. Even though Holyfield's got, you know, got got children from different mothers all across the United States, you know. But it's right. see, that's why you have to look at things on 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 the bigger scale. But unfortunately, some of us, uh, some of us want to just always think small, and we'll always think small. And and you know, a uh, Le, uh, LeBron again. I I can't think of a better maybe Russell Wilson be equal. A guy that not only does it the right way, right? He married his wife, fathered his kids. He opened up businesses, started a school, and they hate him. And it's a lot of us burning his jersey and all of that. Like you falling into that whole establishment thing. The dude did uh-huh. nothing but bring. Greatness to to a city that doesn't have greatness, in, in, including you know, especially Cleveland, and yet they hated him for leaving. They buy into this foolishness, and all he did was great and uh, no out of wedlock, no baby mama drama, none of that. Tom Brady with babies, I was, I, you know, Brett Favre and all these guys, they get away with it. They gunslingers. It's just a part of the game. LeBron does it the right way. And he's the villain, you know. It's, and we look, fall there's, there's all certain, into that. Certain, well, well, again, 
you know, the ones, the folks that want to think small, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna always think small. There's no, you know, there's no, there's no way around that. And 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 you know, to hell with them. In a, in, a, in a sense, we have to, you know, we have to go beyond them because there's nothing worse than trying to help someone that doesn't want to be helped. And right. I, and a lot of times right. that's, what winds, that's, that's what winds up happening. At, at you know. I, I, like I said, I'm, 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 I can't save. You know, I'm not trying to save everybody, because cause, cause right. some people, so unfortunately, you know, un, you know, while we see the Trump folks wallow in their ignorance, you have a lot of you have a lot of other black folks that want to wallow in that same ignorance as well. Right, and uh, I saw some pictures. People send me, um, uh, you know, blacks for Trump. You know, yeah, I mean, it it's it goes yeah. beyond. Um, let me ask you this, because uh, as you mentioned, we have Dr. King, we have Black History Month, we have uh, a great ball player, uh, certainly many more in the Negro leagues, arguably uh, a greater than Jackie Robinson. But he was the standard. He had the patience. He had the wherewithal to deal with people spitting on him, calling him niggers, death threats, and all this other stuff. Um, one of the things that came up tonight was, um, you know, the the desegregation led to infiltration, and you have championed uh, the Negro leagues and how they were raided and how they didn't weren't compensated. That these black players just went to the MLB and MLB didn't really give them what they deserved. So from that standpoint. If, well, let's just say, hypothetically, right, um, was still segregated. How prosperous could baseball be right now, black baseball, at this point? Or should they have done what they've done, which is integrate in there? Because as you make a point of it, you know, no no stats should count until post-Jackie Robinson coming in and black ball players coming into baseball and Dr. King was again one of those who championed that type of thing. Well I've I've said several times I don't I don't acknowledge I don't acknowledge baseball before April fifteenth, nineteen forty six. And you know, I, I and I do that unashamedly. Um folks want to get their panties out of in 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 a in a bind because of because of that, so be it. I don't acknowledge so be it. it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I refuse to acknowledge it. Any, any major league baseball history before that, you know, um, I will always, you know, everyone always talks about putting asterisks on certain things and certain sports or whatever. But, um, you know, if we're gonna, if we're gonna be a true asterisk, start it right there, and go from there. But of course, that won't happen because that takes up too many. You know of their um, you know lordly heroes and everything else, but um, no, but, you know, look, baseball wouldn't have even been able to um, been able to do a lot of what it would like to do if it wasn't for the integration of the sport. Um, I you know. The hardest thing I think that that Jackie Robinson had to always, you know, one of the things that I think people don't realize that the other burden that Jackie had to go through was that, you know, 
whether it was his fault or not, you know, he basically it was, you know, he um sort of led the death knell for the um for um the Negro Leagues. Because the Negro Leagues, yeah. After you know, after um Robinson and Dobie integrated Major League Baseball, um Black fans sadly sort of turned their back on the Negro Leagues. Now they they still have fans, but yeah. the majority of the fans right. turned their back. And that's see, the point, too, see. But yeah, you but know, yeah, is that, white that, baseball better? Are they not thinking? They think white baseball better than the Negro well, Leagues see, once that, they turn their back? Whole, well, no, it's, it's, it's well that, but it's also that whole thing of you know their water is you know their water is cooler, their baseball is right. better than, and, 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 and a lot of that is just that whole. Um, you know, thinking that anything. Well, just a lot of it. Just thinking that a lot of what we is what we do is inferior. Right. And 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 the sad the sad thing is, um, Negro League. We all look. It's been proven that Negro League baseball was on the same par and in many ways better than Major League Baseball. Because see again, it wasn't. The fact that these guys couldn't play was the it wasn't that that wasn't the reason why they weren't allowed to play. It had nothing to do with their talent. It had everything to do with the color of their skin, and that's something baseball, you know, still doesn't really come to grips with. They'll you know they'll acknowledge you know whatever, but again. Up until April fifteenth, nineteen um, forty six, the best baseball players in the world weren't allowed to play in the allegedly best game. And you and they knew they they knew we saw in college basketball, we saw in another sport that that them Negroes would have kicked their ass, and they didn't want them in there because they well, know they would kick their ass, it, it, well, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, and that's what it, it was about. Well, and it was like that in all those sports. It was like that in all those in all the major sports, you know. Now we see, you know, like um, you know, the uh, the the Bruins. The Bruins are about to um, retire Willie O'Ree's number, uh, I believe, sometime next month, and that's cool. That's you know, I, I you know, that, that that's whatever. But I think what we just have to do is we definitely have to acknowledge. We have to acknowledge. The history, and again, the history is the history is right there. The history has been there for years. It's not like it's been hidden. Now they will try to hide it to a certain extent, but the history and the controversies and the and and the lies and the whatever have been there for years. And and I will make this point to you, T. Before we go, I feel, and you might feel different. If black people would appreciate black ball players and understand the history, and I get it, you, like you said, you can't bring them along. But if we understood that and spoke out about it, whether you're in the media or not, like you enjoyed, you understood the history, if we did that, then you would get more black people gravitating to baseball. We're talking about baseball. We ain't talking about it. If we understood that Larry Dolby and Jackie Robinson, uh, and others, Satchel Page and all these great black ball players were integrated um, way before 46 and played, then I think the evolution of uh, of the game and what we, you and I love 
and the understanding of it um, practically would be better. I think the game would be better. I think MLB would be forced to, to understand it better if we push forth, just like we want to do in social change, we push forth in baseball like that, then it would be a difference. But we don't appreciate it. We talk about kids, that's one thing, but people our age don't understand and appreciate what the game was about and what the, the brothers did to push forth the game. Like they sure. they were good. Sure. sure. Plain and simple. And 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 I don't say this to um deter it. There's there's, there's bigger fights out here. You know, when we see this you know, insurrection of uh, of what we saw in the sixth, that's you know as much as I want to you know as much as I would like to see folks you know become reeducated or educated in regards to uh, this, we've got other there's, there's there's so many fights that we have to yeah. be involved in here. Yeah, um, but those but, the, but I will make the point those people who went. Those Klansmen, those people who went to take back their country are the ones that don't believe that blacks, you know, you know, integrated and were dominating in baseball. It shouldn't even be in baseball. They're the same people, same people sure, sure, that would sure, have an sure. issue with that, you know. Sure. So, sure. Uh, you know, we will we'll see what happens. I'm going to leave it there, T. I'll talk with you shortly. I appreciate your time as always, bro. You be, be well. I hope you're feeling better. Okay. Yeah, I will. You do. Take care. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Tony Take Matt McLean, of course, he is the uh editor in chief of Black Athlete Sports Newsroom, B A S N Newsroom. You go to their website, see his work and their work there. Um want to leave you with uh, this thought. And you know, I don't always do this, but um it, everything's in front of you, folks. Whoever's listening, everything's in front of you. It's right there. The understanding is there. The racism is there. These people went to the Capitol and said, it's our country. It's ours. It belongs to us. And even with the, the, the Blacks for Trumps going there, they are opportunists. They think they're going to get a crumb. So they don't really count. We've always had insurgents, black people that do stuff like that anyway. So I'm not even concerned about them because they think they're going to get a crumb at the table. That's what they do. My concern are those who think they taking their country back. And I pray and hope that these, the violence doesn't continue, the death and everything else. Um, but I'm pessimistic optimistic I hope it doesn't happen I think it will but I hope it doesn't happen and and, and I'll leave it there we're going to leave you guys with music we thank you for joining us if you miss any part of our broadcast do go to our website thebachelornewsradionetwork.com thebachelornewsradionetwork.com enjoy talk with you very soon wherever you are on the Bastion News Radio Show, the Bastion News Radio Network, and WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carborough.
Enjoy the rest of your time. We'll talk with you very soon.